You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about building your business to support your life. As many of us business owners know, it is unfortunately very easy to get lost in 12-hour days and Well, before you know it, you've spent five, 10, however many years, and for lack of a better cliche phrase, you've forgotten to stop and smell the roses. So we know that we have so many opportunities to use our businesses to our advantage to build the lives that we truly dream for ourselves, but the truth is that we oftentimes forget this and we get kind of lost in the hustle and bustle of well, running a business because there's a lot to get lost in. The list of reasons why I admire Drew McClellan are quite possibly endless or at least far too long to list right now. But one of the reasons is because he has so beautifully modeled how to successfully build your business to support your personal life goals and values. And, and that's something that I know I'm always working towards and I think is just a really awesome thing to kind of learn more about. So I've learned so many tips and tricks from Drew over the years, and I'm excited to dive into this further. Uh, And for any of those of you who may not know Drew, Drew McClellan owns and runs Agency Management Institute, as we commonly like to call AMI, which serves thousands of agencies, small to mid-size, anywhere from advertising to digital marketing, media, PR, you name it, they're your place. Um, and every year or so, they he's working to help them make more money, keep more of the money that they make, and while building an agency that's stable, sustainable, and hopefully scalable, should you choose. He's worked in advertising for over 30 years, started his own agency in 1995 after a five-year stint at YNR, and still actively runs that agency today. So that being said, I am so thrilled to say welcome, Drew. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Thank you so much for being here, Drew. There's really so much that um, I feel so lucky to have uh, have stolen a few minutes from you because I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to make these good because there's just so much. There's so much uh, juiciness we could get into. Hopefully you'll have me back. So if I stand up the test, well, maybe I can come back sometime and we can continue the conversation. Okay. So Drew, as we jump into this topic about building businesses to support our lives, which I think is something yeah. that, as I mentioned, we we oftentimes forget about and is one of the greatest benefits of being a business owner. So I know a few awesome tidbits about you. And so please feel free to sprinkle on whatever I'm missing. But okay. uh, we both share this love for travel. Yeah, And I know you have managed, I'm, I'm envious of this, but it's still on my bucket list. You've managed to get to all continents and yep. you also love Disney and have managed to somehow find a business excuse to spend about a month a year on Disney property. And you- Doesn't suck. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't suck. And you really love- the work you do and and you love finding all these really intentional, creative ways to have your business support your life in so many different ways. So talk to me a little bit about how you've crafted this and some of the things that have been really important to you in this process. 
Okay, so I, I, I feel like there should be a disclaimer first. Okay, so, Dis- go uh, ahead, it, disclaimer. Because it, it, it sounds, when you talk about it, it sounds like I have this all figured out and that, you know, I have this beautiful balanced life and, you know, I work a lot of hours and mm-hmm. I work on the weekends and I work at night sometimes. And so for me, part of the, <clears throat> part of the trade-off was if I'm going to, if I'm going to take these big chunks of time off. So for example, the continent thing, I have one daughter and I've been a single dad for most of her life and have had custody of her. So we were on a trip. I think she was in early college and we were in Europe and I was saying, no, 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 we were, sorry, we were down. Um, we were down in Peru going to uh, Machu Picchu and we were talking about where we'd been. And I was like, you know, we're only like five continents away from getting to all the continents. Only five. <laughs> yeah. Right. And she was like, we should do it. So it was four. We'd been to Europe. We'd obviously been to the U S and, and now we were in South America. She was like, we should do it. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. And so part of the impetus of the continents was just, you know, when you go to a, when you go to a foreign country, you're there for two or three weeks. And as a father of an adult child, who's like, I will travel with you for two or three weeks. I was like, I'm going to make that happen. So yeah. I have to admit that the impetus for the continent thing was more about spending time with Kelsey than it was the continent thing in the beginning. But then as we started to go to all these places and explore all of these things and meet all of these people and hang out in these cafes and you know talk about going to places like Antarctica, which was amazing. Yeah. Then we both got caught up in the continent thing. And, and so we've always loved to travel, but this gave our travel sort of a purpose. We almost gamified it a little bit, right? Yeah. So part of how I could do that, though, as a business owner, and this is important for your listeners to understand, is you know there are a lot of tax advantages to being a business owner. And one of them is that, for example, in the, in, here in the U.S. anyway, in the IRS code, you can take, you can hold an annual meeting for your business. And as long as you do some planning for the business and you take minutes and do all the things that they say you have to do, you can do that anywhere in the world. And you can pay for it through the business. So I don't make so much money that I can jet off to all of the continents, but I travel, you know, uh, in 2019, I was on 200 planes. Oh my gosh. So I have a lot of airline miles and everywhere I go, I of course stay in a hotel. So I had a ton of hotel points. Everything I do in my business, I pay for on American Express. So I had a ton of Amex points. So between the miles and the my and the points and the points and the fact that I could justify a fair amount of that business that travel expense as my annual meeting as long as I did the work. I, it was affordable for me. And so, you know, I, again, 19, 20 year old girl was my travel companion. So she would spend two or three hours in the bathroom in the morning. And so <laughs> that was, that was when I worked, I would do my two or three hours of work a day. I would do my planning. I would there take my minutes and stuff while she was getting ready for wherever we were going to the day. So I just sort of re I don't believe in life work balance. I don't think that exists. I don't, I don't think it's as beautiful as, as the books and the charts say, I think it's about life work blend. And I think the smartest entrepreneurs figure out how to blend their personal life and their professional life. So, you know, we were in Ecuador having eating, sitting and having pizza on the same trip that we decided to go on the continents. And one of my clients called. So I picked up the phone and I talked to him for 20 minutes and then I went back to eating. So that to me is how I make it all work is that there is no such thing as 
I'm working time and I don't think about mm-hmm. or do anything personal. There's nothing in my personal life. Obviously, there are some things that you don't interrupt, but for the most part, it's like it all just sort of works together. So that's honestly how it worked. And 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 the Disney thing, which you asked about, I love uh, Walt Disney. I love all of Disney properties, but I particularly love Walt Disney World. Well, if I hold three workshops a year on Disney property, I kind of have to be there a few days early. I might as well stay a few days late. So there's three weeks I mean, you right must. there. It just makes right, good you sense. Might as well, well, you yeah. get prep, right? And you have to meet with the catering yeah. people, and mm-hmm. yeah. So that's three out of the four weeks. And then if I take one personal trip down there a year, then I've checked the box for my goal of being on Disney property a month a year. And three of the four weeks, I get paid to be there. So again, it's all business write-off. And Mm -hmm. And the one week that I'm there personally, that's the only time it comes out of my pocket. Yeah. So that doesn't suck. No, doesn't suck. Yeah. I love that. And I... Again, um, thank you for providing context because, again, I just think you have done such a really beautiful job of owning the things that matter to you Mm -hmm. and finding creative ways, legal creative ways to make sure that your business is supporting your life. And I I love that you said work-life blend. I really like that phrase because, of course, as I want to believe that there's such a thing as work-life balance. I think the thing I struggle with there is it feels very like black and white, like very Tetrisy, right. And it's like, right. that's not real, but right. I like, yeah, I, I like the word blend because I'm very visual and, and to me, they all look like tiny, thin little layers that, that yeah, it's like a gradient, right? Yeah, yes, it's like a it, gradient. It, yeah. That's perfect. I love that. It, it is. Yeah. It's like a gradient. And I feel that feels so much better. Right. So I talk about this in the AE boot camps that I teach because I one of the frustrations I think we all have as employers is our employees want life work balance and what mm-hmm. they mean is that they want to be able to go to the doctor's appointment with their kid at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. and not have to make up the time but they still want to leave at five and so what I say to the AEs is that that's not how that works everybody has to give and take so if you want to be able to go to your kid's soccer game or take all your vacation time or whatever, you also probably need to answer some email every once in a while at night mm-hmm. or talk to a client on the weekend or whatever. That, and to me, that's the blend of it is that it's that they both intrude on each other, but that allows both of them to exist. Yeah. I like that. And it, again, it's just like, I think that word, I I'm a big, uh, like words matter <laughs> and mm-hmm. blend. It just feels Good. It feels less abrasive and it feels less compartmental bully, which is not a word. Yeah. But maybe it is now. Maybe now, is now, maybe, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll change history here. <laughs> so I, I think, I think you said it right though. I think, I think life work balance suggests that there's a cutoff, right? Yeah. And that, that you, so when I was a kid, I mean, imagine when I was a kid, there weren't computers, there weren't cell phones. So my dad would come home from work in a suit and he was work dad, right? He'd been Mm -hmm. work dad all day. He would go upstairs, he would come downstairs in jeans, and then he was home dad. And he he got one phone call that I can remember my whole life. And my dad was a high-powered executive. One phone call my whole life that I can remember at home. But for him, there was a life-work balance. We don't have that luxury anymore. Right. Well, well, technology has no changed technology, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. It's changed everything. I don't think we can have a life like my dad did anymore. No. But I think we can have a life like I have, which is mm-hmm. this 
amalgamation of all of it kind of jumbled together in this sort of mosaic of moments and and that they touch each other and they overlap each other and it's not always neat and it's messy and yeah. sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but most of the time it gives me enough of both yeah i think that's important to call out too is like i think there's also a level of self awareness there like you have to know you well enough to know what you need and right. you have to understand what those boundaries are or boundaries or priorities or whatever it is that fills your cup kind of thing. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So Drew, I know we, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the things that you've been able to do using your business to work for you that you wouldn't have been able to do if you were not a business owner? Yeah. Well, certainly I would have never seen all of the contents. And I certainly would not be able to spend a month at Disney. So another thing some people know about me is that I love baseball. Yeah. And so uh, one of my goals has been to see a ball game in every park. Well, I travel a lot. And so a lot of time, and a lot of times I get to dictate where I travel. So a lot of times I end up, I end up in a city where there's a park, a ballpark that I haven't been to yet. And odds are I have a client who likes baseball too. And you know what? Now that means I have a baseball buddy. And, and a very legitimate business expense. That's right. You can buy hot dogs and have a meeting for sure. Mm-hmm. And I've actually now, so I'm I'm down to two parks, which I'm going to get to I hopefully two left? this calendar. Two left. That's it. So how many in total? Oh, I think there's 26 or so. I, I don't I have to look at two, the list. Two I have left. a list and I have a list in my kitchen that I check, you know, off. Nice. But the last several games. When I know I'm going to go to a game, I will say I will reach out to a subset of my clients and go, I I'm going to a ball game in Oakland. Does anybody want to come? And four or five people will show up and we'll go to the ball game together. It's a legitimate business expense for them. It's a legitimate business expense for mm-hmm. me. And I get to do what I love to do with people that I love. So there's nothing awful about that. No. So yeah, I mean, definitely using your business to check off some like big life buckets. Awesome. I think the other thing that as an entrepreneur, we get to do that you often don't get to do as an employee. And this may be, I mean, we've been sort of frivolous in what we're talking about. I mean, but I think the biggest privilege for me of owning my own business is I only work with people that I like. If if I don't like somebody, then I just don't take them as a client. Yeah. I have, I have, I literally have a very hard and fast, no asshole rule. Like Mm -hmm. I, when I worked for other people, I had to tolerate a lot of people who were jerks. And Mm -hmm. one of the first things I decided when I started my agency way back in the day was, you know what? I may not make as much money, but I am not going to tolerate mean, toxic people. And I have, I have carried that through my business from both my agency into AMI. And so to go to work and do work that you love, for people and with people that you love. That right there is life-work balance. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and life-work blend. Like when I'm with a group of clients, I'm with people that I care about and who I know genuinely yeah. care about me. That's not just work. That's personal too. And that makes the work more fulfilling. It makes it more rewarding. It makes me work harder. It makes them appreciate what I do more. That's an amazing privilege that we have as entrepreneurs. 
Yeah, I think that opportunity to make those choices that really matter. Mm-hmm. I totally yeah. agree with you. When I, in, in prior to becoming my own business owner, I have this one very specific memory of just getting reamed out by a client. Right. And I was like, all I am trying to do here is bend over backwards to help you out. And you right. can't see that. Right. Well, That's crazy. It. Right. Right. And I was like, I'm in your corner. What right. are you doing? And so right. very much so the same thing that I, I operate in a similar way. And it's just like, nah, if you want to play that game, then we're just not the right fit. Right. Just not right. the right and, fit. And and I have no qualms about saying, you know what? I I just don't think I can help you. Yeah. And you know what? That's That's part of our job, right, is to identify those that we are a good fit for and we aren't a good fit for. And I think to your point too, on doing work you love with people you love, which not only makes you want more success, but work harder, it also reduces so much of the anxiety and stress that comes with crappy people when you can't control that narrative. Right, right. Not to say that we don't, already have a lot of stress going on on our own, but (laughs) without a doubt, it's stressful. I mean, I I think life is stressful and and I, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, and I think layering on being an entrepreneur and being responsible, like if you don't, if you don't kill something today, then you don't eat today. And if you don't kill something all week, then nobody eats that week, including your employee. I mean, there's a lot of pressure around that, but I think the pressure is different when you are serving people that you care about. And I I think you approach the pressure differently because I am a firm believer that, that the more you help other people, the less you sort of worry about your own stuff. So if your clients are people that you care about and you want to genuinely help them, Mm -hmm. then it's easier to not worry about your own stuff. And what I found over the course of being an entrepreneur now for most of my life is if you actually do good work for good people, you're going to be fine. Yeah, just stand for what you stand for. And and one of the things that I um I think is worth calling out there is like actually taking the action. Like acting mm-hmm. with integrity and doing what you say you're gonna do. I'm sure right. you've run into this plenty of times, but I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many, how many prospective calls I have, and they're just automatically angry about talking to a digital agency owner because they've been burned so bad. Right. And right. I'm like, I I get that. I understand. Right. I'm sorry that's been your experience that someone right. didn't do what they said they're going to do. Right. That happens quite a bit unfortunately. Yeah. 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 I always think of those people it's sort of like when you go to the shelter and adopt a dog or a cat, right? So you have to sort of learn how they've been treated in the past and then mm-hmm. you have to temper your viewpoint of their behavior by that reality, right? So if somebody's yeah beat the crap out of a dog for the first three years of its life, of course, it's afraid of you, or of course, it's going to growl when you put your hand by their head or whatever. So part of our job as entrepreneurs is to understand where that prospect or client is coming from, and then approach them in a way that they, you know, in essence, it's the equivalent of approaching a dog with your hand out so they can sniff your hand for a while. We have to make the first move. We have Mm -hmm. to be the one that is trustworthy first. We have to be the one that trusts first. And when I think when you do that, then over time, and I see this with my clients all the time, they'll have clients for a decade or two decades, 
And the reason why is because the trust is so strong. Yeah. It's not that the agency doesn't screw up. Of course they do. They're human. We're human. Yeah. Right. But there's so much trust built up and there's so much in the emotional bank that you forgive each other for that. And you keep moving because you assume the best intentions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of, I think that's again, part of the privilege of owning your own business, choosing who you work for, because when you work for people that you care about, you sort of naturally fall into that state. Yeah. You just want to do right by them. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. So You've worked with so many different agencies over the years, hundreds, thousands over time on and on a regular basis. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen agency owners make when it comes to building their businesses to support their life? Yeah, a couple of biggies. Number one, I think most business owners, and this is probably not true just to agency owners, but of course, that's the only world that I know, but most agency owners underpay themselves, under reward themselves, thinking there's a big payday at the end, right? That mm-hmm. they're going to sell the business and they're going to make a lot of money. And the reality is you need to build your wealth while you own the business. And you need to build the wealth outside of the business, which means you have to pay yourself properly. And you have to be smart about the way you manage the business financially, which often means when you have a bad employee, you can't keep them because you feel bad about firing them. You mean people do that? You mean like everybody does that all of the time? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So, so, you know, you have this mediocre employee who isn't really showing up the way they should. And by the way, your superstars hate the fact that you tolerate that and they resent it because they're busting a hump Mm -hmm. for you and their coworker is dialing it in and they think they're looking at you going, what is your problem? How can you not see this? Yeah. So that's why they leave or that's why they dial it back. And all of a sudden they become a B player rather than an A player. But we often carry those people on our payroll because we're like, or we lose a big client and we don't have the work for everybody. But yep. we, here's what we say. We go, we go, you know what? Bat Bat's mom has dementia. I can't really let her go. Or, you know what? She has four kids in college. Or, you know what? He just went through a divorce. And what I remind agency owners is what you're doing is you are taking a dollar bill out of your kid's hand or their college fund or your retirement, and you're handing it to Babette or to Bob or whoever. You are literally robbing your own family and your own future to give those other people money. And I'm not saying be a jerk, and I'm not saying fire people willy-nilly, but I am saying run your business in a way that it supports your personal goals and is it financially sound? Even if you don't take the money out of business, which I think is stupid, but even if you don't, it is just bad business to keep mm-hmm. bad employees or more employees than you can afford to have. That's it. It's a hard lesson to learn, but it's, oh, it's a tough you one. know, actually, Drew, I just want to commend you because, well, on so many things, but obviously the last couple of years have been pretty tough for pretty, you know, pretty much everyone. And I love your podcast. And I I know one of the analogies that you really kind of led with was this idea of as the business owner, you are the captain of the ship and it is your job to get the ship through to the other side. And that's it. And that I'm a very visual person. So that was like really helpful for me. And this idea of like, if you have too many people on the ship and it gets too heavy, the ship sinks. The whole boat yeah, right. yeah, and, right. and then you've got nothing. Drowns. You've got right. nothing for anybody. Yeah, right. and so 
I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of years that analogy or that metaphor has been in my head. And it's just, it's just so true. And it, I mean, as owners, I think we also in many ways lead with heart. And I think that's a as good we thing. should. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's a good as thing. We but should. I think we have to remember that sometimes the best decisions we can make for our team are with our head and with numbers. Yeah. And so well, that and that was really helpful it's, for me. It's, it's probably a balance, right? But but you know, the heart decision, I'm gonna keep everyone on the boat. Part of that heart decision is so everyone dies. That's what's going to happen yeah. is the business is going to go out of business. That's the reality. Everybody off. Yeah. So we have to check our own heart because sometimes we pretend it's a heart decision when it's really a, I don't want to do a hard thing decision. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I, I know I need to let Babette go because I know she's weighing the boat down and I can see the water lapping up over the sides of the boat and we're all going to drown. Yeah. So I tell myself that. I don't want to let bad, bad go because I want to be a good person. But the reality is I'm going to feel bad letting her go and it's going to be hard and I don't want to do this hard thing. So I'm going to delay it for as long as I can until there's a lot of water in the boat. And then we get to a point where for most business owners, certainly most agency owners, we don't actually let the boat go completely under, but the like everybody is uh, you know, knee deep in water. By the time yeah. we go, you know what? I have no choice. And now I'm in a big hole that I have to dig out of. The business is less stable. My employees are worried because they see there's water in the boat. So they're bailing and they're going to be in safe, dry boats wherever they can. So I now have this diminished capacity. My mediocre players stayed because nobody will hire them. I've got a boat that's full of water. And so now I've got to fix all those problems simply because honestly, if I'm being really honest with myself, I didn't have the courage to do the hard thing early enough. The one, the one really hard thing. Right, that has yeah. to go. Yeah. 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 I know it's tough. Any other like big business mistakes you've seen? Yeah. I think most business owners let the business run their life as opposed to their life running their business. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, and again, I, in full disclosure, I don't work 40 hours a week. I work more than that, mm-hmm. but I don't work that way every week. I, I do that so that, you know, I can carve time out to go to ball games. And, you know, when I, when I'm at Disney world on the days before and after the workshop, I do a little bit of work, but don't misunderstand. I'm in the park. So, you know, you were at a workshop uh, last month, right? And so I had a workshop one week and then I had a workshop the next week. And the beautiful thing between those two workshops was a weekend, yep. right? And so I went with a bunch of my friends who happened to be agency owners and clients. We spent all day Saturday and Sunday in the parks. So again, it's about the balance, right? But for a lot of business owners, they really let the business run their life, meaning they never go anywhere. They don't travel. They, you know, they never turn off their cell phone. They, they are chained to the business and they allow the business to really minimize the joy they get out of life. And we have one shot at this mm-hmm. and waiting until you're 50 or 60 or 70 just seems like a bad plan. Do you think it has anything to do with like this self-inflicted guilt? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I, I talk to agency owners. Like I don't want to buy that car because my employees will think that I'm paying myself too well. Yeah. Or I don't want to go on a trip for too long or you know what? 
I can't ask somebody to stay late and do that. I should stay late and do that. Yeah. It's all guilt. As a, and, and here's what I will tell you, because not only do I hang out with agency owners, I hang out with their employees. Your yeah. employees don't begrudge you any of that. They think you should go on great vacations. They think you should have a nice car. Frankly, they think you make a lot more money than you do. I know. Because why else would you do it? Why, why else would you take all the risk and right? work the way you do and make crappy money? And yet so many business owners, that's what they do. And they're, But if you ask the employees, if you said, guess how much your boss makes? I'll bet you in most cases, they would guess three times what you take home. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try out that theory tomorrow. Okay. All right. I'm curious that you're yeah, probably yeah. right. <laughs> you're probably yeah. right. Because, because otherwise <laughs> we're just stupid. Like we I know. take all the risk and Sometimes we work as hard like, as we why? do. You know, I have a lot of agency owners that they're not even the highest paid person in their shop. So come on. I mean, you know, yeah. you need to take care of yourself. And I'm not saying be ridiculous. I'm not saying pay everyone sure. else, you know, like paupers and you be a millionaire, but you deserve to benefit from the business that you started or that you bought and that you're running and that you know, it's tied to your mortgage and all of the things that happen when you own a business. And most business owners and agency owners for sure don't. Yeah. And I will say too, I think another thing I learned from you is the difference between being an employee of your business, like the CEO or the president or whatever you want to call yourself and the owner. And I think I'll just speak for myself because I'm super guilty of this. I'm working on it. I promised you I'm working on it. But when, when you look at compensation, I think a lot of us tend to, or maybe I'm just by myself, look at what a profit distribution as an owner is combined with your salary and look at that. And it's like, no, 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 no. Those are right. not the same things. No, right. Not the so same. I was, just, I, I was just having this conversation with somebody today and I said, you know, here's the deal is number one, our W-2 income here in the States anyway, our paycheck is for the work we do during the day. So I'm the biz dev guy, or I am the you know HR person, or I'm the CFO, or whatever my day job is. That's You should get paid what a person who's good at their job gets paid mm-hmm. doing that. Then the dividends or distributions, depending on the structure of your business, yeah. that's the reward you get for taking the risk of owning the business. And that's your portion of the profits. But you should not add the two to make a competent salary. I know. (laughs) You should have a competent salary for the work you do. And then on top of that, you should get the rewards. That would be like saying, I'm going to put money into the stock market and I'm going to mix what I put in and and the interest. And hopefully I make a little more money than what I put in. Nobody would put money in the stock market. Yep. I mean, maybe I'm alone in this. I don't think I'm alone in that one. But yeah, it's. uh, I think it's definitely something that business owners need to keep in mind in terms of like compensating themselves appropriately, et cetera. Okay. So, so I'm sure you can probably rattle a few things off, off the top of your head here, but if there were like a couple of things that you're like, business owners need to make sure that they are doing this on their behalf when it comes to using their business to build their life. If we haven't already touched on it, what would you say are like some of the top things that you should be doing this if you're not doing this? I think it's an opportunity to surround yourself, not just clients, but also with your team, with people that you really love to be around, that you can learn from, that make you laugh, that have the same values that you do. 
Um, I think you can build a work family that is a great addition to your personal family. So I think that's a great one. Number two, you need to build your wealth while you own the business outside of the business. So I don't care what you invest in real estate, the ponies, whatever your thing is, but build it somewhere else, right? Definitely have ponies. For sure, we have ponies, right? (laughs) Number three, I think is it's part of your legacy, right? So how people remember you as a human being after you're gone, you get to craft that both personally and professionally. And I think we think about it personally, like I want to be a good person and I want to, you know, do charitable work and whatever your thing is. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we often think about the legacy that we leave professionally and how people, how your clients and how your peers and how your partners will talk about you. And I think it's a huge opportunity to be thoughtful. So one of the things when we start a coaching relationship with an agency owner, we have them fill out two documents. One of them is like a biz, a one-page business plan. Like what are the big things you have to do in your business? And mm-hmm. the other is, a, is an, a business owner life plan. And mm-hmm. it asks you things like, what legacies do you want to leave? And what are you doing today to begin to leave that legacy? Who are five people you wish you could spend more time with? How do you want to be remembered? Like if someone was going to describe you in three words, what are those words? And how do you live those every day? We don't stop and ask ourselves those questions. But mm-hmm. when we do, it's profound. And yeah. then again, as entrepreneurs, I get to craft how my business works so that I do get to leave the legacy I want. I do create the connotation of those words that I want. I do get to spend more time with the people that I want. Again, a privilege of entrepreneurship that we don't always get if we work for someone else. Agreed. And I think life is all about choices and obviously Mm. becoming a business owner is choices and consequences, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Choices and consequences and and making the decision to work for yourself and to potentially employ other people is those are obviously choices. But I think sometimes we we maybe look at it as black and white and there's a lot of gray that right. we can use that gray space to do exactly what you're saying and, and craft that narrative that we want to right. be our life. Right. And and to be intentional about it as opposed to looking back on it and saying, oh, I wish I had been more fill in the blank, whatever it is. And well, you could have been. You, yeah. you just didn't your choose choice. to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think it's an, a, an unconscious or subconscious choice. And my point is, don't let it be either of those things. It should be absolutely conscious that be very you, know, you know how you want people to experience you and your business. And then you set aside anything you have to do that gets in the way of them having that experience. And we get to decide the rules because it's our, it's our joint. It's our place. So mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to somebody and, and, you know, we sell these coaching packages and somebody said, well, if I buy a coaching package, do I have to use them all in a year? And I was like, no. And they were like, well, how long, how long do I have? I was like, I guess until one of us dies, I don't care how long it takes you. And they were like, well, that doesn't make sense. Cause aren't they going to get more expensive? And I said, probably, but I don't want you to feel like you have to use them up. Just use them when you need them. And if you don't need all of them in a year, you don't need all of them in two years that's fine. Right. I get to make that rule. Is it Mm -hmm. a smart business decision? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but is it treating people the way I want to treat them? Yes. And I get to do that and I get to do it with intention. And Drew, I know that's something that 
you make a lot of decisions on a regular basis. And I know I've been on the receiving end of very, of a number of very kind decisions. And so, you know, way to practice what you preach. And just at the end of the day, it's about being a kind human. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Be a, be a, be a good human. Be a good human. Um, okay. There's so many questions that I still have for you and I want to be mindful of your time. Okay. So this is something I feel like you're uniquely positioned to talk about. So you, you started your agency, it's still running, you're still running it, but you also are, you do AMI and how do you do both? And what is your thought process or your words of recommendation for somebody out there who's trying to think about, well, I've done this thing. I love doing this thing, but I have this other thing and I'm kind of curious about that. And how can you do both? Yeah. I think part of it is, um, again, it's, it seems like the theme of our conversation is life is not black and white. So I think a lot for a lot of people, they're like, I have to stop this thing before I start this new thing. Well, I actually thought, so, so I had run my agency for many years and actually I was a member, I was a client of the precursor to AMI. Mm. And when the guy who started it came to me and said, I think you should buy this business. And over, it's a long story, which we don't have time for, but I eventually decided to buy it. And I thought I was going to have to close my agency because I thought the other agency owners would be like, yeah, you're our competition. So I don't want to tell I don't want you to see my financials. Oh, interesting. And, and what I found instead, they were like, oh my God, I love that you still have your agency. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, good. So then I had to figure out how to do both, right? So I'm really fortunate. So I, my average staff tenure is about, I think, 19 years. That's um, they just stay. And they stay because... When I started my business, I, one of the reasons I started because I was working for a jerk. And I was like, I, any employment decision I make, I'm going to think about what he would have done and whatever it is, I'm going to do the absolute opposite. That's mm-hmm. it. I, he was a horrible human being and a terrible boss. And so my whole goal with my employees was, I don't like to hire. I don't like interviewing. I don't like training. So if I just ruin them for all other employers, <laughs> if I just treat them so well, because I know they're good and I know they're going to get poached. If I just treat them so well that they don't ever really want to go, that's golden for me because I don't have to hire new people. I don't train new people. So that was sort of my attitude about employment. And so for the most part, they stayed. And so I can I can run two businesses because honestly, I only have to spend about 20% of my time inside the agency mm-hmm. because they do all of Runs that lifting now. Yeah. They've, they've, we've set up systems and processes and I have the right people and they're incented in the right ways that, that we are very much in alignment about how the business should be run, how clients should be treated, how employees should be treated, how the work should be done, what the quality is. And everybody gets rewarded when we check all those boxes. Yeah. And so why wouldn't we check all the boxes? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I built it in a way that they benefit when the company does well and does and lives according to sort of our own code of conduct. And so that allows me to free up my time and spend most of my time on the AMI side because that's really where the opportunity and growth is, I think, for mm-hmm. me and my own my own my own goals. It's it's where my passion is right now. Yeah. And it's it's the thing that I can build and sell someday if I want to. So I get to spend most of my time there. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is prioritize and then find amazing people and take really good care of them. Yeah. You can't do it by yourself. You know, you cannot do life by yourself. 
You just can't. There's no, there's no aspect you? of life. Nor, but but I think a lot of people try and sort of gut it out or do it by themselves or think they have yeah. to bootstrap it or whatever. And I learned a long time ago, it's just so much easier to ask people to help you and and to help them in return. Yeah. And then everybody gets what they want. And so what is it, that old Zig Ziglar quote, you know, the more you help other people get what they want, the more you get. I, I think he's spot on about that. Yeah. So I think when you, and, and honestly, I think people like to be asked to help and I think they like to be yes. trusted. And so why not do that? And everybody wins, right? It's like a gift. I keep trying. Right. I, I tell this to my fiance sometimes because he like never wants me to do nice things for him. And I'm like, it is a gift to me. Can you just let me yep. do something nice for you? This isn't yep. about you anymore. <laughs> yep. I, I just had this conversation with my girlfriend. I did something and she was like, you don't have to do that. And I was like, you don't understand. It actually makes me happy to do I want it for to. you. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me happy because I'm, I'm taking care of something for you. I'm crossing something off of your to-do list. I am of service to you. And that makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a really good call out and, and something that we should keep in mind, especially as yep. owners, like we all have plenty of checklists every day. Right. And so don't forget that sometimes asking for help can be a gift, yep. not a burden. When you think about it too, it's also a compliment to our employees. When yeah. I ask an employee to help me, it means I trust you. I know mm -hmm. I can count on you. I know you're competent. So in a lot of ways, asking for help is, it really is lifting somebody else up and saying, I, I, I know you can do this and I need mm -hmm. some help. And you know, when you think about it, builder. when you, when it is, when you, and when you think about, you know, when our employees think of us as you know, they can see, they sort of see the org chart in their head, right? So they see us as above them, if you will. Mm -hmm. So if somebody who is air quotes above you asks you to do something and then trusts you to do it, that's quite a compliment. Yeah. I like that perspective. That's, that's, that's something good to keep in mind. Okay, Drew, I've got a couple more questions for you. So I've been having a lot of conversations with owners lately as well. And I, especially with the last couple of years, I think owning a business for any significant period of time, you run into trials and tribulations and doubts and yep. questions and imposter syndrome and all of the things. Yep. I just had this conversation the other day about falling back in love with your business. So what thoughts do you have or advice do you have for owners who might be looking to fall back in love with their business or are kind of struggling with that? I think we fall out of our business when we fall out of alignment with our own values and the things that are important to us, right? Mm. So I think it's hard to love your business when it's not making enough money and you're staying up all night and you're worried about payroll, but odds are we're not making enough money because we're not making good, smart decisions and we haven't cut staff or done the things that we need to, to, to get right uh, with our finances. So number one, number two, every business owner has made this mistake. We've taken on a client that's a jerk or that isn't a good fit for us, or you know, screwed us down on the price to the point that we can't make a dime. We need to fire those people. We just need to say, you know what? You actually caused so much stress in my world and for my staff. You have to go away. I don't care how big the bag of money is that you have, you have to go away. Mm -hmm. So I think when you, and, and if you keep toxic employees, because so I have a lot of people will say to me, you know what, um, Babette, is not a great communicator, but she's a really great art director and they're hard to find. So we're going to keep her. Mm. Yeah. 
nope, 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 nope. Mm-hmm. They're not a good person. They're not aligned with your values. I don't care how skilled they are. They need to get out. So if you run your business in a fiscally responsible way and you only serve clients that you care about and that can you can genuinely help and be proud of the work mm-hmm. with a team that you can genuinely be proud of, mm-hmm. it's not that hard to love your business again. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's a really good call. So maybe something to think about if you're an owner that's struggling with that love affair right now, it's are you not having the tough conversations, not making the difficult decisions that you need right. to, to be in alignment? The way I would ask an agency on that question, if I was in a coaching call is, what are you tolerating that is toxic for you or worrisome for you? And and what are you afraid will happen if you stop tolerating it? Mm, that's a uh-huh. very good coaching question. Very well, very well done. Very well done. Okay, Drew, so you touched on uh, legacy. Did you want to answer it? No, no, I don't want to answer that. That's a, <laughs> that's too juicy for me right now. I'm going to put that in my pocket and just think about okay. it. That'll be homework. Okay. That's a powerful question. Well, I'll take hey, that in. By the way, welcome welcome to being a podcast where you get asked the question you don't want to be asked when you're on the record button. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll just a, now that you're a now that you're a fellow podcaster, just know that that happens. Oh, well, I mean, I can take it. I can take I'm just Yeah. I'm just going to take it and put it over on the side for right now. (laughs) I got it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So you had talked uh, or touched on a little bit earlier about this idea of legacy. Drew, you've got so many notches in your belt, so many accomplishments that, you know, you can hang your hat on. What is the impact you ultimately want to make or the legacy that you want to leave? Yeah, it's such a great question. I very much want people to remember me as someone who wasn't in it for the money and who cared very much, genuinely and deeply cared very much for the people that I worked with and the people that I worked for and that they never felt alone because they knew I had their back. And and if I could accomplish that, that, that would make me very proud. That's awesome. Um, I have to just give you a, a personal note. So I have two guiding light. One is Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the other is you. And so I oftentimes ask okay, myself, wow. WWRBGD, like what would Ruth Bader Ginsburg do in yeah. like life? And when it comes to business, it's WWDD. What would Drew do? And so, wow. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that's daunting, but thank you. There you go. There you go. Like wow. me and Ruth, wow. you and Ruth. Yeah. That's, wow. uh, that's, that's uh, over that here. Is lofty. That is lofty company. Yeah. 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 Well, well-deserved. Um, okay. My, yeah, my last you. question for you to wrap things up here is what is your greatest insight or discovery about life in entrepreneurship? My greatest discovery or insight. I think for me anyway, and and I think that's probably a really personal thing, but for me, if it's not joy-filled, it's because you're looking in the mirror rather than looking at somebody you should serve. All right. Well, Drew, as always, it has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insights. It was fun. Yes. I mean- it would be my pleasure to have you back. I'm, I'm game. 
But in the meantime, if people would like to reach out to you and soak up more of your wisdom, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, I'm super easy to find. So you can go to agencymanagementinstitute.com on all of the social channels. I'm just Drew McClellan and McClellan is spelled M-C-L-E-L-L-A-N. So, you know, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all, all of the things. Or you can shoot me an email. It's just Drew at agencymanagementinstitute.com. I so wish I had thought about that URL before I it's came up with that. It's URL. the longest URL. It's so it's painful. It's so long. And when, and when you have to type it on your phone, oh, it's it takes me bad. like 12 times. 12 times to get it right. But anyway, you can email Institute me. If, if, you could, if, you could, if you can spell it, you can email me. <laughs> or just find me on Facebook that's, or LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way. You don't have to type anything. So there you go. And I'm always happy to meet new people and be helpful if I can be. And so I'd, I'd love to hear from your listeners. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll make sure that's in the show notes and make sure everybody knows how to absorb more of your brilliance. Drew, thank you again so much for everything and for sharing some time with me today. Oh, I really appreciate it. This was really fun and I'm, it's a privilege to be on your show. So thanks. All right. Thanks. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com. 